Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My guest today is actress, singer, and podcast host, Jana Kramer. We dive into a deep conversation about past relationships, co-parenting, and more. Jana's new book, The Next Chapter, Making Peace with Hard Memories, Finding Hope All Around Me, and Clearing Space for Good Things to Come, comes out on October 24th and is available for pre-order now. This is Just Be with Jana Kramer. Let's get into it. Hi. Hi, lady. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. So that is your podcast setup. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's a little messy now that I'm like looking at it, but thanks, girl. Are you in LA? No, I just moved into a new house in Nashville. How is Nashville? I love it. I really do. I've been here now, let's see, four years and it's great. Is is it like a mini LA now? Unfortunately, it's becoming that way. Yeah. Really? Like That's me. I, almost everybody in my neighborhood is is from California. But I will say the good piece of that is they're bringing in really good restaurants and they're they're having to up their southern game a little bit. Interesting. So, okay, so the the first interaction besides Friday Night Lights that I've had with you was I think I commented on something on a post and you commented back. I'm like, oh, we're friends now. Like I remember like, or then you followed me, or I followed you. And that was a couple yeah. of years ago. It was like surrounding Jay Cutler. And oh. I don't know what I commented, but there was like a interaction that we had and you were on my radar and I then connected. Oh my God. I That's the girl from Friday Night Lights, which I was obsessed with. My daughter, I got her into it. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest shows ever. It was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. And it was it was one of those things where because a lot of times the shows, you know, they're they'll be like, well, here's your mark. You have to hit your mark. And I remember the first time I went on set, they're like, all right, action. And I'm like, but we didn't rehearse and we didn't like, where's my mark? And they're like, just just go. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
Like it was the coolest thing because it was. Wait, what is a mark? The physical mark? What do you mean hit my mark? What's so literally the there's mark? There's like a T in acting where right. it's like you have to do camera blocking and then, you know, the things. And then uh, you have to hit literally your mark so the camera can get you. But on Friday Night Lights, they're all on the handheld. So they'll they'll get you wherever you stand. Oh, interesting. But that's funny that that's a thing. Where's my mark? I never I've seen I know what you're talking about when we do photo shoots, but I didn't literally know what you meant. Oh, funny. Yeah, I think it was so such an excellent show. Yeah. Whose show was it? Peter Berg's. Exactly. I just watched his uh, his show on op- on opioids. It was crazy. Painkiller. That was insane. Insane. I and was it so seems like- angry about. Like, I, was I just, know because I'm like that person. They kept blaming the the addicts. So I'm like he wasn't an addict. He hurt his back, and then he became an and- addict. And they paid like a billion dollars over time. They didn't even feel a mark. It's And he must be angry and he must have a personal association to it because it was a very personal mm. uh, show. What was that? That wasn't on Netflix. Where was the Hulu? I think it was Netflix. Yeah. And then, yeah, oh, Taylor okay. Kitsch was also in it, who was Friday. He always uses Taylor a lot. He does? Shows. Yeah. Yeah. With Peter. Yeah. He uses him in a lot of his stuff. I mean, who? I mean, were you, did you, when you were on set with him, were you you die like was he as gorgeous then to you as he was to me he was so cool he was um I, we became like very like broy where when we first met we would play volleyball after set there was like this really cool volleyball um outdoor sand volleyball thing that we'd all go to so he was awesome i would say as an adult like as a kid it was matt dylan as an adult like he was <laughs> my god like that was the one that was the one <laughs> that the hurt one. it was painful yeah yeah um okay so i was reading your bio and i was shocked by all of the things that you've been through all of like the circuitous route to yes your career but your personal life like I, you really have been through a journey and i was thinking about what your childhood was like like where you grew up and how you grew up, because I was just thinking about your choices, mm-hmm. you reflecting the mistakes. I, I've been in many relationships like you, and I feel self-conscious about it sometimes. I was wondering if you feel self-conscious about it. I was just thinking about this this relationship and personal life journey. Yeah, so it's when I've sat down, obviously, in therapy, you you go back and you go to your childhood wounds and your traumas and you think back, okay, when did this start? Where, where was my first belief? And it was when I was six and it was, I'm not enough. And so what happened was, is unfortunately that came from my dad. And because it was my dad from those years on, I was always trying to get the approval of a man. Mm. You know, he ended up cheating on my mom, which then he left the house. And so I was always finding at that time too, an older man, but I always wanted them to say, you're enough and I love you. But those were the guys that were never going to tell me that I was enough and that they loved me. So I just kept picking those kind of men to be like, choose me, love me, pick me because I didn't get that. And that or was that like, you're going to change them because you right. want to change your dad, that you're going to, you're going to be the one that's going to make them different. Right. Like he's not like try to get him to stay. Like my dad left me, even though, you know, when you're older, you kind of look at it in a bigger, broader stance, right? So it's, I see now that my dad was just doing the best that he could and and I get all that, but that doesn't help the little girl in me that still was fighting for love and fighting for attention and fighting to be chosen. And yeah, picking these men that are just, you know, weren't available and didn't, you know, they would just give me little pieces of themselves of so then I'm like, well, no, love me, love me, choose me, pick me. And then when they did, I'm like, wait, I don't even want that person. 
But you just said something that I have said until recently, and I stopped saying it. You just said he did the best that he could. And I always used mm-hmm. to say that about my mother who had me at 20. And like, it's like this lo- thing that I just say. And I thought the other night, it was actually weird. It was related to the Danny Masterson thing, which reminded mm-hmm. me of a lot of the abuse in my childhood. And I ended up going and spinning out and going in a different direction and an abuse I had in a relationship. And I thought to myself, the way I was raised was despicable. And I thought to myself, I always say they did the best they could, but I don't think that's actually true. So do you really think that your dad did the best that he could? So I don't know the whole situation. I'm just asking because it was interesting. You just said that thing that I always say, and I stopped saying it because I don't know if I think it's true. For a long time, no, I would say that he didn't. And again, I I grew up in a very... uh, angry household. My dad was always yelling. My parents were always fighting. He was, he had some massive anger issues Mm -hmm. and my brother got most of that, uh, physical, but I saw it. My mom stayed in it and it was just that kind of household. And when I look at it, I, from a, um, a bigger place, I go, okay, what was his upbringing? Like, well, my grandpa was a very tough German man. He was very hard on my dad. He was, most likely physical as well. Uh, And I think back then, like our generation, like we know boundaries and we go to therapy and I don't think that, yes, I I mean, I know therapy was available then, but I I think as a man back then in that day, that would have been, yes. Could he, would I have loved for him to go to therapy? Sure. But I think I do believe he was doing the best that he could because I don't think therapy was a very acceptable thing back then. You know? Yeah. You just, it wasn't, there wasn't also, quote unquote, the conversation in society. There wasn't a conversation about what were, people weren't indulging themselves by thinking about what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. It was called smoke a cigarette while you're pregnant, open the door, let the kids out the back and pray for the best. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) So I I, I get get that. I get that. It's just funny because I say that. I still, yeah. I just think it's an interesting thing to think about if people are doing the best that they can. But yeah, people weren't self-aware or reflecting it just wasn't like I said the conversation right and I for so long I mean all my 20s I just blamed him for every problem I had I'm like well you're the reason that I pick cheaters you're the reason I pick abusers you're the reason I do this and his head spinning because you know again I think and my dad and I just had this conversation because we're good now Mm. he's so anxiously attached and I'm and he's like trying to make up for lost time and I'm like dad you just like so I'm he's like what's anxious attachment and I'm like you gotta let me breathe for a second like Stop asking me about my middle school boyfriend. I have no idea what happened to him. You know, like he's just trying so he hard. He wants for to be evolved and like do the cram course to being evolved. Yeah. And it's just like you can we can sit here and we are uh, we are OK, you know, and he can I do just, it with like, your kids. Yes, I accept him. And that's the thing. Like I loved my grandpa, his dad. So I'm like, I want my kids to have a relationship with their grandpa. And, you know, does does, does my mom do it perfectly every day? No. But I have my own boundaries around my parents now, and I just kind of accept them for who they are because I I can't change them at this stage and I don't see them going to therapy. So it's like I either have them in my life, in my kid's life, or I hold on to stuff and I just don't want to hold on to anything that feels more weighted in today's already weighted world. 
And I think the dynamic of you controlling the boundaries with kids is a really interesting thing. It kind of gives you power, gives us power with our parents, the people that raised us, the things that they thought were okay for them to say and do with us, that we will create the boundaries, that it's not acceptable and that will not be discussed in this house in front of my kid because this is my path, you know? For sure. Like my mom and I got into one thing one time because she said she was going to you know, bake cookies with my daughter and stay for a certain amount of time while she ended up leaving early. And that was a huge trigger for me. I was like, you can lie to me or not tell me or change plans, but you don't get to do that to my daughter. Like she doesn't get to feel that disappointment. Like, cause now she's going to feel, what did I do wrong for Nana to leave early? Mm, interesting. Right. So I was like, That's, but you've and done that, that a million like a, times. Right. You've just changed your plan and whatever, but it is a, it affects. No, people. I mean, you yourself have experienced that oh, with your mom me, a million times. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, it's affected me. You don't get to have that affect my daughter. So from now on, we don't say how long you're here because you might change your mind. And that's okay if you change your mind, but you don't get to tell her how long you're here. Mm, fascinating. Wow. So you have three kids now. So I've got my um, almost eight-year-old daughter, almost five-year-old son, and then uh, my fiance and are expecting we're... Uh, due in November. So, so how is the co-parenting, the blending? What's the dynamic, like the back and forth? How does that, how's that working for you now? sounds like a lot at at being pregnant and having a new marriage. It was, um, I mean, the first two years post-divorce were really, I'll say like the first year was really tough parenting with him because I was still taking all the baggage and, um, toxicity that we had and the anger and the resentment. And every time we'd talk, like every time I'd see his phone come up, I mean, I even had, he was labeled not healthy on my phone and, or it would be changed to a hole one day or just, you know, I was just Mm -hmm. so angry. And then, um, we kind of joked one time I go, Hey, you got your name back on my phone. (laughs) Like you're just like, you're just Mike now, Mike C on my phone. But what I've, what we've come to now in this past year is uh, realizing that we have a new relationship now. So we have our past, our old marriage that was not great, but we have to leave that away. And this is now our new relationship. And how does that look? You know, and we have to leave the resentments and all the stuff behind. We might still get triggered and we both still do because I'll say something or he'll say something and that might trigger something from our past. But we are now trying to create this new relationship and seeing what that looks like. And we've done a really good job so far. And I'm, I'm proud of how, how far we've come considering all the crap that we went through together. That's really healthy. And it's early in the game. I mean, I have to say for, you know, he, maybe he was doing the best that he could because it sounds like pretty evolved for what I've read about, you know, what I read about today, I was like, wow, you've been through a lot, a lot of abuse, a lot of, you know, mental torture. And that sounds really healthy and really amazing. That's the ultimate goal. Well, the thing is, is like, I love my kids more than I hate my ex. And I know people have said that before, but that is the, that is the biggest thing that I always remember. I love my kids more than I hate my ex. And I'm like, he, I don't want him to take my joy. I don't want him to steal the beautiful things that are happening right in our life. I want him to be able, I want us to be able to be in the same room because I remember my parents couldn't be in the same room and I hated that. It gave me anxiety Mm -hmm. and I didn't like it. So I would love for the fact that, so uh, last year I invited him for the first time to a birthday party. I'm like, would you like to come? Because I'm like, I think it'd be good for the kids. I can set my own stuff aside for our Mm -hmm. children. And I think that seed planted and it just is now kind of growing that. Um, There's more things that we're doing together as a family. Uh, And yeah, it's 
listen, I could harp and I did for a, a long time. I mean, I harped about it when we were married, all the stuff he did wrong, all the things, you know, post marriage. And I just don't want the... I don't want the hate. I don't like, mm-hmm. I don't like the negative energy. I just really don't want it. Cause I'm like, it, it's not good for me. It's not good for my body. It's not good for anything. Like it's, I'm, I'm like, why? Like, okay, he did what he did. I did what I did. Now let's just, can we just please be happy? And like, I would love for him to be happy and move on. And so well, they I just, say holding on to anger is like drinking poison and hoping the other person does. Yeah. I just, I, cause so. I've, I've seen people, like I know people that are in that terrible divorce and they're just they hate each other and they have to drop off in you know parking lots and 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 that's what works for them but i'm like i just don't want that energy i can't like i physically don't want to hold that much hatred for someone it's it's the worst thing i i did i've done it for over a decade it's it's a very bad thing two people have to be willing to uh be that evolved and it sounds like your ex is 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 evolving as a as a person which is amazing but the thing is is like i could hate him for everything he's done for the rest of my life and i have every reason to hate him forever but like why would i want to hold on to that like what is the purpose yeah i'm just remembering you went on red table talk and you talked about being cheated on i think it was 13 times like i was the first time you know like I forgot that that was even you. Like, I remember the story, if that makes any sense. I remember the story and it was Red Table Talk, but it was probably in like the background in my periphery. And like today I was reading, I'm like, oh my God, that was her. Mm -hmm. What the hell? Like, you know, it's interesting. It is about people that we choose. Like, it really is because I had, like I said, I had a very, very abusive childhood and have seen everything. But I've always, I think, been proactive about how to choose because I, I don't think I could have ha- I could have never handled that I don't know how you handle that and even once many people would leave but like you definitely didn't think you deserved better no I don't I like that's the thing like and I, I've had this realization it was about I don't know a couple weeks ago someone you know people ask me about my fiance and they're like what's different and I said he just respects me so much and I stopped in my tracks going oh because for the first time I actually am demanding respect like I actually believe that I deserve respect because mm-hmm. When my ex cheated on me when we were just dating, I'm like, that's okay. We all make mistakes. Uh, I'm like, no. You know what I mean? Like if someone were to cheat now, I'd be like, bye. I'm sorry you don't see the worth in what we have. And, you know, but I know my worth now. And I'm just like, I would never. Because now I know that I deserve respect. I deserve to be with someone that chooses me and wants me and loves me and all those things. But I didn't think that the last 30 years. So, so what do you say to women who are attracted to what they say is the bad boy or the person who's cheated or cheated once or they want to forgive? Like, is somebody always a cheater? Like, what is your advice to those people? For me, it's what's the message that you're carrying around that thinks that you deserve to be with someone like that? Because when I was going through my healing work at this retreat center, I didn't realize how much shame I was carrying all the messages that I've been told to that, that, that I've been told from other people that I carried in war. So I'm not enough. I deserve abuse. You know, I'm not this, that, or the other. And so the, I just constantly kept picking that. So I think there's, and people might be like, no, I, I deserve this, that, and the other. I really don't think someone would stay with someone if they didn't have something in themselves that said something opposite, if that makes sense. Well, you're right. Cause I wrote about, I wrote never settle for less than what you deserve, but 
many people subconsciously think that's what they deserve. So they're not really, yeah. the baseline has to be, this is what I deserve. I'm establishing that and I won't accept less than that. Even in like in business and anything. I mean, you don't want to be degraded in any kind of way, you know, and it's very powerful when someone speaks to you a certain way and you say, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with the way you're speaking to me. I don't accept that. It, it goes, it leads into every moment of a day, not just in the macro person, the way they're cheating on you, the way they're treating you, the way they're canceling on you, the way they're, you know, just energetic also. It's it, with family members too, like to just not accept less than what you deserve and to make sure that the bar for what you deserve is high. Yeah. And and to give yourself, it's also, it's, it's hard. I mean, how many years have you been spoken this certain message that you've believed about yourself? So you have to now think like, I still have days where I struggle with this season that I'm in right now, I, my work is, I don't know if I deserve the goodness. Cause I've never like, when's the next shoe dropping? When is, when it is feels uncomfortable? Bad? You're not, yeah. that's how I, I, it feels uncomfortable. And also it can be boring. If you're used to having a roller coaster life, it can be boring. And a relationship when it really settles into just being good and solid can be boring. And it's weird. If you grew up, like I grew up with action and gambling and alcohol and drugs and cheating and beating and cops coming. And so it, it's something you have to intervene in in your own life to just accept like I deserve peace. peace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's calm weird, but it can be safety. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is a hurricane coming? Where's the, th yeah. That, I know. That's I kept saying, I go, I must be dying because I'm, I met an amazing <sighs> man. I've, you know, moving into a beautiful house. I'm like, this, I have something, you know what I mean? Right. Like my death wish is coming. I don't know. Like, so it's it feels uh, weird. Yeah. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. you think of yourself more as a country music singer or as an actress like or equally both like what no, is your I would say actress that's what it started in because One Tree Hill was kind of what led me into country music and now I just do music for fun and just kind of a therapy tool uh, and just to kind of keep things spinning and I do like writing and singing but acting is my is my number one I'd love to get back on a show that runs for years and years That that's the dream that's the dream because it's consistent and solid. It's like, you just yeah. know. I'm a very much like I want to provide for my family. So I keep telling where most actors don't think a procedural is is uh, creative enough. I'm like, get me on mm-hmm. a procedural that runs for 20 years. Like I want to, I need to provide for my children. I'd like a steady job, <laughs> you know, so. I, I get that. That's why Kelly Ripa wanted to do the show. Yeah. She wanted to just know that every day she knew where she was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and what part does religion play in your life? You know, that that's a tough piece because, again, I've always gone to well, I grew up not in a we said grace, but it was something that was recited. I don't even know the you know, God is good. God is great. Let's sing for our food. That was it. Like no, nothing yep. was taken to heart with it. We didn't go to church besides like once a year. And for me, I always went to, well, how why would I pray to a father when a father leaves? So that was my big thing. I was like, I don't he's just going to abandon me. He's just going to leave. I'm probably not good enough for him anyways, or I've messed up here. I'm, and it was, it took me, it took till my divorce that I really was like, okay, I'm, I'm alone. Like I'm just, I am straight up alone and I don't want to be, I know he's there. So it was, I started a relationship with him post-divorce and it was one of the best things for me because I realized he was always there. He was just waiting for me to let him in. Wow. That's that's powerful. That's almost like the good man in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Waiting for you to let them in. Um why get married again? Legally married. Girl, I'm just like <laughs> a glutton for punishment. No, I <laughs> No, I I First of all, I I love this man so much and he's the guy that I Everything I wrote about, I wrote like in my Bible, like the man, I'm like, please just send me this man. And it's every single check mark that it's like what I wrote in my Bible about him. And for me personally, when, you know, obviously when you look at Wikipedia, my first time, I didn't even know the guy. We went to Vegas. I was 19 years old and I'm not making excuses, but at the same time, it's in the other one was I, we were married for one week. You know, I really, that was this, that was the one of the ones where I was like, love me, love me. And then when I was walking down the aisle, I was like, wait, I don't love you. Like this is, mm, this I, wasn't, I know that one. I was chasing you and I don't, this isn't what I want. I don't want to have kids. You know, I don't want a broken family. So for me, I only feel like I've been married true. I mean, cause truly the other ones were a, a week and, you know, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, Mike was my only marriage. Like we fought hard for seven years. Like that was a marriage. And, but with Alan, like I just, he's, 
I, I just want him. I, I want to marry him. I, I want him. I want our family to be together. I want everything that I, that I dreamt about. And with him, it just feels like the right thing to do. I said, I wouldn't again. I said, there's no way I'll change my name again. I won't get married. But with him, it's, he's the only one I've ever wanted to walk down the aisle to. And I, and I, it makes me sad. Cause I'm like, I wish I saved that for you. Cause that's what I, I would get have loved. That. I get that. I get that. Um, and what's the state of your career now? Like, what are you the most passionate about? What are you working on? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> well, no, almost 40. So what I want is, well, obviously I want this baby to come out healthy and enjoy the holidays with the baby. And then next year, I would just love to be able again to just get on a show and support my children and, you know, be a working mom, but be the best mom that I can be as well. So uh, be on a show and then, you know, I have the book coming out in October, the next chapter and be able to just do everything that I love. I don't like to, I always say people always put me in a box. Well, I was the one putting myself in a box. So now I'm like, I want to do it all. I want to, you know, have, I love doing my wind down podcast. I like writing. I like singing. I like acting. So it's just putting and, and, you know, and Xing the things off that are weighing me down. And would you move back to LA to do a show? Because it feels like that sounds stressful having a new baby and a, you know, a, a partner and, does he have to be in Nashville or where, where is no, he? He's a, he's a professional soccer coach. So he he'll be traveling too. And for me, okay. I think you can make, I, I never, I will ne- I never, never, I never say never, never, you know, um, uh, never say never. And so if it takes me somewhere amazing, that just means a new experience for the family. So I'm, but I'm he's, so he's open. good with that. Yeah. And, and yeah, cause he'll be, he'll be traveling too. So. I invested in um a women's the women's soccer league the ba- the Bay City Ooh. one and yeah Cheryl Sandberg just joined on several months back and it's a big it's a big world this this women in soccer yeah there's a lot of stuff around them but yeah you guys need a coach Alan Russell he's a good one all right nice <laughs> what about um well your kids into soccer yeah they love it. And he's okay. so sweet helping them. So what about the, le- are the leggings, a pregnant thing? Like I, I read that you can't live without your leggings. I know it sounds like a superficial question, but I- I'm not, I have leggings and I'll wear them once in a while, but I don't, I'm not a leggings person because I feel like they trap me. So yeah. I want to understand. And the only ones that didn't were beyond leggings because they're well, these soft are the, and they breathe. Beyond yoga. These are the beyond yoga ones. Oh, Jody Goober owns the company. I used to be friends with her. Yeah, I remember so her these are the, these are the only ones that I'll wear is Beyond Yoga, and that's what these are they're because they're just they so breathe. comfortable. Yeah, because yeah, they they're soft and they're comfy, and I, and I like the over the bump too. So I know you can't see because I'm wearing black, but I, I'm working out right after this, which is also why I'm in leggings. But it's it's a little chilly today in Nashville. But I mean, I have got a couple pairs, but yeah, I'm not like I like sweatshirts. <laughs> like You're I do like to be person. cozy. Yeah, I like the and, whole match. Are you, you've been exercising the whole pregnancy? How is your pregnancy? Yeah, I've been working out and uh, it's fine. You know, girl, I'm just older. So everything's a little harder, you know, and everything's just the gravity and the the, the veins down there. I'm like, babe, don't, don't look past the belly button. Like, it's just like, I don't like it. So will he be in the room? Oh, 1 million percent. He's like my anxiety blanket. He's so good with me because I go to Oh my gosh, I'm going to, I don't like to not feel my legs for the epidural. So, but he's just, he's our, we're already working on our breathing. Like he's, he's the best. But he'll be up there, not down there. Oh, up, 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 up. He's not going to be down there. Yeah. Cause I'm having, I'm having the C-section. So. 
Oh, okay. I had one too. Yeah. And then, um, where were you a waitress? That's the weirdest last question, but I want to know where you were a waitress. Girlfriend, where wasn't I a waitress? So I started, Tell me the places. I started at Greek Island and then I went to TGI Fridays and then I went to Macaroni Grill and then I went to Joe's Crab Shack because I wanted to dance and I thought it was cute because they do all like the like dance things. And then I was a waitress at the time W Times Square when I was 18. And then I was a waitress at the Grove at the Wood Ranch Grill, which is now closed in L.A. I stole to- toilet paper from there because I, I didn't have any money. Uh, so was I it, would. Was it bad quality? <laughs> the, the toilet paper? Yeah. Yeah, it was crap. It was like, you know, the kind of like crumble. But yes. I needed it. I didn't even care. Yes. But then I, that's know, a, I know. I it think I thought of that balls, in my, in my past. Know? I think in yeah. my past, like being in a cheap apartment, I've been like, you know, when you are out of toilet paper and it's just convenient. I mean, you could have afforded the 88 cents for a toilet, but it was convenient probably just to stick it in your purse. Yeah, totally. And in, I was in the red all 20s. So. It was, yeah, that or cotton balls, which is gross. But, um, and then let's see what else. After Wood Ranch, I did, I got fired at Pache's because I didn't know how to open a wine bottle, which is ironic because now. Wait, Pache, that was your first one that was fancy. All the rest are like very chain restaurant. Pache is like an elevation for you. And I got fired. (laughs) Because you didn't know how to open a wine bottle? Yeah. I'm like, jokes on you, buddy. I'm a pro now. (laughs) And what was the first gig that you got? Click with Adam Sandler. That's a big gig to get as your first gig. He was amazing. I was I went out to audition for his daughter and it was between me and Katie Cassidy and the 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 little girl he he brought me into his office and met him and he was fantastic Adam? and Adam. Yeah. Wow. The, so you know Adam Sandler? Yeah, he's he's like the, the coolest dude ever. I'm sure he I don't know if he remembers me he, although he did leave me a voice message like when I was at the top of the charts in country music about like oh my kids love your music and it was super Stop. sweet. Yeah, he was like the nicest dude ever. Uh, but yeah, then he 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 himself personally called him, called me and said, hey, so the girl that the little girl, my little daughter in the movie has blonde hair. So we're going to go with Katie, but I'm going to find you a part because I really like you and you're great. And so, yeah, he gave me a, a, it was a smaller role, but I didn't even care. I was just like, that's amazing. Adam, I'll, I'll do catering. I don't care. Like, was but you got, that set. was your first ever time, like on a real mm-hmm. set. Yeah. And then what was after that? Uh, prom night. Was so you gems. were working like you always like how long after starting did you like get work? It wasn't until One Tree Hill that I stayed out of the red. Like I would be I would have to get a job and then it could, and I'd be like, oh, shoot, I'm back in the red. All right, back to waitressing. And then One Tree Hill is when the constant when I when I started to like really work. Yeah, I used to I I used to be a PA on Saved by the Bell and I met Leah Remini and she, I thought she was rich because she was on a couple of guest episodes <laughs> on Saved by the Bell. And I'll never forget, I feel like we were eating in her car. For some reason, that's like really resonating. And I feel like I thought she was rich. And she said, well, if like eating tacos in the back of your car is rich or something, I yeah. just will never forget like having an interaction with her because I thought if you were on camera, you were rich. Yeah, no. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. it's like crazy. Being yeah. rich and being on TV are not the same thing as I'm sure the strike is proving. Yeah. And like when you go on tour, everyone thought because I was I'd open for Blake Shelton and all these big people for you know three months at a time. And you're like, oh, you must have so much money. I'm like, I am actually negative about a hundred grand because of how much it costs to be on a tour oh, and have a tour yeah. bus and pay for gas and the band members. And I'm only getting paid. 2,500 bucks a night. So all that's And gone. that's kind of marvelous Miss Maisel. Like that show is kind of about that. Like she's like famous, but she's not making any money. And exactly. yeah, I mean, you don't really, 
get treated a certain way until you really hit it. Like if I tell my daughter that I was on with you about, I mean, because of One Tree Hill and Friday Night Lights, we still watch One Tree Hill all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's beyond. It, it holds it's up. A great show. Yeah, they it really does. Hold up. They Not do. every show holds up. They both hold up. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What was your rose and your thorn of your career? My rose and my thorn. That's a good one. Uh... 
I would say my thorn was this movie I did called The Return of the Living Dead. And I had mm-hmm. to have, uh, I wrote about it in the next chapter too. It was the first time I ever had a panic attack, but I had to get my appendix taken out in Romania, but it wasn't, they what? took out the wrong, they took out the wrong organ. <laughs> Wait, in the movie? No, like in real life. What? Because so, <laughs> that sounds like something that would happen in Return of the Living Dead. I know. And then like I ended up- And they up put the it. wrong, they put somebody else's <laughs> organ in your body and then you live, but you're dead. Yeah. That sounds it was, like a great plot. I know. So I wrote about that in the book and it was- yeah, that was that was you had to have bad. your appendix taken out in Romania. Yeah, but they they were it was never my appendix. That was the problem it was actually they should have taken out my gallbladder. It's it's like a whole thing. Jesus Christ. Was it about serious? It, it sounds pretty it. serious. It sounds like those are two important parts of you the really body. You really don't need either. But I'm oh. also like, well, why did God give it? Give them to us then if we didn't need it. But it's fine. So what do you have now in the body? I mean, I got a uterus. I have a spleen. you don't have a gallbladder or an appendix. No. I'm fascinated. I didn't know. Yeah, I sound, they sound important when you say them. The names they sound important. They're like big words. Wow. Okay, so yeah. you're without those. Out you those. put them in your dating profile. No, I'm done, Bethany. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. Yeah, me, but okay? back in the day, mine. No. Yeah, mine said I only saw the small stuff. Yours says um, girl without an appendix, two or organs, a gallbladder. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes, that's hysterical. I mean, it's not hysterical, but that's hysterical. You know what? I'm and I'm not even trying to be super. Uh, publicity with this one or trying to promote it. But I would say I'm just so proud of the book that I'm about to put out because everything that I feel like I've been through, it's uh, I'm, I'm proud that I actually, I, I never thought I could write my own book. And it was very much, my editors were like, you should get a ghostwriter. And I'm like, I need to write this myself. And that was something that I'm just really proud of. So that you should be. That's another Kelly Ripa thing. She wrote her whole book herself. I found that to be extremely impressive. Like it's something that requires help and you did it yourself. Yeah, I just was, I think it was because my ex, when we wrote our first book, he had said, well, you know, you can't write, you talk like you, you type. Mm. And I'm like, well, I do. And that's what makes it like me and people would really. Meaning you write like you talk, like the words on the page. Yeah, like 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 there, you know, and so not perfectly formed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I just, I had to prove it to myself that I could do it. And that's just kind of always been my personality too. But how long did it take? A long time. <laughs> no, I mean, check it like two years. That sounds about right, though. I mean, it's not that easy to write a book. Yeah. No. A year to write it, a year to edit it. But I also will like... say it was because I went back. I was very angry when I started it. And then I went back and I go, I don't need to put that story in there. I don't need to put that in there. I don't need to put that in there. That's so interesting. I, so I went back and I edited it because I just was like, it's the father of my kids. I don't need to be telling these kind of stories. That's our past. That's now. so interesting. Yeah, not everything needs to be said. I, I I burned a whole book in the barbecue and started over when I did a place of yes. Yeah, because um, it's just like, what is the point with that? And it's at the end of the day, it's not about none of these books are about any of my exes. Like I've got this one ex boyfriend that's trying to be like, oh, she's talking about me in the book, and I'm like, buddy, the book is not about you. It has right. nothing to. Do. You might have a little blip in my, but it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do about me and like the choices that I made and the missteps and whatever. So. You don't can fly try to yourself. get your PR, but like, no, like, don't fly it's about you. <laughs> it's not a Taylor Swift song. No. Um, and then what is your parenting style? <sighs> this is where I struggle. And I actually just had therapy about this because sometimes I feel like I'm a little too hard. I didn't have the parent that pushed me to be the best version of myself. Like if I didn't want to take my SATs or my ACTs, or if I was a C average student, they'd be like, great job. Mm-hmm. So I never really was pushed. 
And so I think now I'm on the other pendulum swing of that being like work harder. And, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to find a balance right now of being of uh, yeah, of not being too hard, but I'm also very loving and all those things, but I just, I see the potential in my children and I just want them to have all the opportunities. Are you strict? I definitely discipline. Like they're not kids that, you know, every time we go to the store, they get a toy or if it's right. something that I will take something away. Like I do, Likewise. I am, I, I despise, and this is the biggest fight to this day that my ex and I get into. I hate technology. I don't like iPads. I don't want them to have phones. I, do, I don't want any of it. I think it's mm, bad for luck. their little brains. I agree. Oh, I know. And I'm like, they go to his house and they're watching it for six hours. And I'm like, this is not okay. And she's not a tech kid, my kid. She has obviously a phone and she's on it, but there are some kids that are literally, it's an appendage. And it, it does work being that way because later they're just not, it's not a crutch. I know so many kids that it is an appendage. And I, I think it's such a turnoff. Yeah, I don't I like it. it. I don't like seeing kids. And I know parents have to do what they have to do when they go to restaurants, but I'm not the parent that will ever I bring an iPad to dinner. No, I'm like, same. talk to your kids. D- tell the uh, color with them at the table do something like that and again no, i'm gonna get probably same. so hated up for that but i don't think you will but no people feel judgment and yes that's fine your choice is to not do that but yes i know i've i it's funny because i think i had a post i was going to put up the other day and i thought oh is that judgy because it, i'm not the path of a le- least yeah i don't want parent, a mom but judge. we're not working three jobs we're not waitressing and i understand giving someone a device so you could just have a moment of peace that sounds really good but it's it's a hard discipline to 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 stick to, to it not is. do it. Like I'm the mom on the plane where I'm like, here's the flashcard. You get your iPad for one hour on this four hour. So the first hour. Oh, that's serious. That's serious. That's very serious. <laughs> like, I was like that when she was younger, but getting older, I oh, was yeah. be on the iPad the entire flight. I just, that's what, that was the bridge I couldn't cross. That's yeah. That's, that's very serious. Yeah. Varsity I'm, stuff. But it's a, uh, yeah, I just, I'm like, go outside, go play. Like, I loved my childhood. I love to be able to go outside. And that's just, I'm always, if it is, even if it's raining, I'm like, let's go do some chalk in the garage. I don't care. Yeah, it puts more on you. You have to do more work too, because you're not just throwing them in front of the TV. Yeah. Um, and wind down. Mm-hmm. I hear your podcast does really, really well and that you're great at it. Thank you. It's so fun. It's also been, it's hard because I, I still get, not, it's not as bad, but I still get moments of anxiety when I see a headline. I'm like, that's not exactly what I said, or that's not the context of this. And so oh, good luck. I'm fighting myself to not, I've been, again, I've gotten so much better where I don't feel like I have to defend it anymore, but bait. it still bothers me because it's, I'm like, if you just listen, you'll see that wasn't my intent or I didn't mean it like that or. But that's not an interesting headline. That's my story. Every single, mm-hmm. every single day page six writes about something I said on TikTok or Instagram. And the headline is always so like Bethany drags Taylor Swift. Like I didn't drag Taylor Swift. I just mentioned that she was on a date with a guy at a game and it looked like they'd been together forever and that women should be reminded to have their own identity. I wasn't talking about like her per se. It was just a vehicle, but it's every day and you cannot kill every bug in Manhattan. So you cannot take the bait. I know. I just, I still have this, one of my negative traits, personality traits is I want a hundred percent approval, right? (laughs) Like, so for the people oh, that go on luck. those us weekly things, they're like, oh my God, can she just shut shut up already? And she's so annoying. And I'm like, but but get to know me. We'd be friends. <laughs> like, oh, that yeah. Well, if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody and you have to have a point of I, view and you have I to know. pick a side and a lane and just do yeah. it. And so yeah. the, as I'm nearing 40, I'm 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 like I'm giving less crap. When you get to 50, you will give zero. 
Okay, Perhaps. great. I cannot yeah, wait. For sure, for sure. I was talking to someone about that yesterday. Well, it was so nice to talk to you and to finally You're get so to meet sweet. you. I hear a lot about you from the girls. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I'm like a um, huge fan. So I oh, was very I'm so excited. grateful. Thank you. Like, I'm, <laughs> well, congratulations on the baby and your relationship and this sort of, you know, chapter, the next chapter and your book. Thanks. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much, Bethany. I appreciate it. You Amazing. Too. Have an awesome day. All right. Thanks. Bye, girl. See ya. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.